Hey, thanks for checking out this message from LifeGate Church. We hope that God uses this message to encourage you and to help you live in the freedom and purpose that Jesus has for your life. Everybody, hello, hello. Nice to see everyone. My name is Michelle. For those who don't know me, I'm married to Nathan, who's the lead pastor at LifeGate. And I'm going to share with you this morning. But before we do that, we're going to pray and ask God to be working, which he already is, but that he would work through what um, I've got to share this morning. Lord God, I thank you for the opportunity to come and share this message that you've laid on my heart to share. And Lord, I ask that as, um, as I speak, that your words will be heard, Lord, the way that you want them heard, that people will be encouraged and challenged, and Lord, that you'll be glorified in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, nice to see you all. I'm going to start by telling you just one little thing about me, and that is that I'm a teacher. I think a lot of people know that already. Um, I work in a primary school, just a public school in the area, and I work with K-2 kids, and I work as a learning support teacher. So that means I work with kids from just in mainstream classes who are having trouble learning in some area. And my favourite thing to do is to work with kids who are having trouble with learning to read. I love to watch them learn to read, to recognise sounds. I love to watch them learn to read a word and then a sentence and then a book. And I love seeing the excitement that that brings to their faces and the confidence that builds up in them. A few years ago, when I first started in this role, I had a student who, even though I was teaching him the same as everybody else, he wasn't learning the same way. His reading was very slow and it was very difficult. And I wasn't sure what was going on. As I said, I hadn't been in this role for very long. And his teacher was confused as well. We both didn't know what was going on. I didn't know how to help him. And so I thought I needed to learn more in order to be able to help him do better. So I completed a course that went for 60 hours over six months, and I learned heaps. And uh, in case you're wondering what the story was with this boy, was it had a specific learning difficulty in reading, or also known as dyslexia. So this course taught me the things I needed to know in order to be able to help this student do better. And then what I learned, I was also able to share with not just and use, not just with the students that I worked with, but also with the staff that I worked with too. I love to learn. I love to learn new things, particularly if I think they're helpful and if they can help others as well. So when I was praying today about what, what should I speak about, God? What do you want me to say? I felt that he said, share what you've learned. So I'll teach, you what, teach them what I've taught you. So the things that God has taught me over the last few years, not all of them or we'd be here forever, don't want to do that to you. Um, the things that he's taught me, I'm going to share with you, and I have seven to share with you this morning. And I hope that these things encourage you and challenge you and help you to go forward into the year with the perspective God has for you as well. Some of these things might be things you already know. You might know all of them, but hopefully it's a good reminder. Again, as a teacher, we do a lot of revision at school because it's good to bring those things to mind as well. And so I'm going to share with you seven things this morning. And on the screen, as I share them, I've got a two, word, two words to go with each one of the results of the things that I've learned. So the first one is to trust... Oh, seven things I've learned. And the first one is to trust God. 
So as I said in that example about that boy, I didn't know why he wasn't learning to read. I didn't have the answers to what was going on. And it was only as I learnt what was going on that I knew what was really happening for him and why he had difficulties. And life can be a bit like that. Sometimes things happen and we don't know the reason why they happen. We don't understand why God allows certain things to happen in our life that we don't find enjoyable at all. Now, I've shared this before. Over the last 17 years, I've had about 20 skin cancers removed. And I know that God is capable of healing me. I know that he can do that. I know that Jesus' death on the cross provided a way for me to be healed. But at this point in time, I haven't seen that happen yet. And I don't understand why. I don't have the answers. But what this has taught me, and I've had a couple of other chronic issues as well in more recent years, the doctors can treat, but they can't fix. And what that's all taught me is that there are things that God allows in my life that I do not understand. I don't have all the answers to all the questions. And that is actually a good thing in some ways. Let me explain what I mean. Because we don't know God's thoughts. If I could understand everything about God that there was to know, if I could understand all the things that he was doing, would he really be God at all? And I don't think he would be because we would be equals. But instead, the Bible says in Isaiah 55, verse 8 and 9, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. God is greater than I am. His ways are greater than my ways. I know that one day I will be healed either in this life or the next one, and that will happen. But at the moment, I don't have the answers. And in the middle of that, I can do one of two things. I can either pull away from God and say, well, God, you're not someone I can trust. Or I can say, actually, God, I don't have the answers, but I trust that you've got this, that you know what you're doing. And I can learn to trust him in that. And that's been a big part of the first lesson I want to share with you is around trusting God in the middle of situations that we don't understand. The next thing... I want to share with you, says my first one is to trust God, and the second one is connect them, and it's around parenting. So this is particularly for parents in the room, or people who will be parents one day, but it's also hopefully something that will encourage all of you as I go along. Now, Nathan and I have three kids, if you're not aware of that. Aiden is 17, Joel is 15, and Alicia is 10. And we often get told that we have great kids, and I think we have great kids too. I know they're not perfect. Um, but I do see that they are, for the most part, they're loving, they're kind, hardworking, friendly, people who, yeah, they want to they live the best way that they can. And Nathan often gives me credit. He'll often say, it's Michelle, that's the reason they've turned out so well. And while that's very kind of him, I actually don't agree with that entirely. Have I done the best I can with my kids? Am I doing my best? Am I trying my hardest? Yes. Yes, I am. Am I um, trying to teach them the things that they know and the things that they should know? Am I trying to give up my ways in order to put their needs first and not be selfish? Yes, I don't always do that very well, but I'm trying to do the best I can. But I can't take credit for all of what they're like. 
And Nathan is a great dad as well. He doesn't take enough credit for what he does. He teaches things to my kids I would not teach them. He teaches them where the rips are at the surf, teaches the boys how to wrestle, that's always fun. And he teaches things like, you know, how to use an angle grinder or how to use their gifting or teaches them drums or guitar or whatever it is that he teaches that I wouldn't think to teach or couldn't, even if I wanted to. But Nathan isn't the only one who has been part of helping our kids become who they are. Because the fact is that God, who deserves all the credit for any of our kids or any of our lives, really, has put alongside our kids a whole bunch of people. And that is you, the church. The church is really important for our kids. They say it takes a village to raise a, ki- uh, raise a child, and our church is a big part of our village that we have for our kids. Nathan and I grew up in church, and church was a big, important part of life for us. And church was my safe place, a place where my best friend was, a place where I was given um, opportunities to do things that I would never have done outside of church. So connecting our kids in has been something we've been deliberate about because we value church really highly. And our kids love coming to church now. They love going to kids' ministry. They love going to youth ministry. Um, Aidan's excited this year. He's in year 12. He can go to the Young Adults Life Group. So there's, they're really excited to be here and be part of it. We don't have to drag them along to church. And I think part of that has been that we've had leaders around them who've created great programs to be part of, like Kath, our kids' pastor, and Christy, our youth pastor, and the teams that go alongside them have really helped as well. Um, But it's not just, obviously, the programs, it's the people in those programs that help and encourage our kids. People like Sam Riley and Martin Baker, who teach the youth on Sunday mornings, who are passionate about their faith and want to teach kids what the Bible says, and they want them to be able to live it out in life. These leaders have valued, encouraged, cared for, challenged, and given opportunities to my kids, and they do that for all the kids that come along as well. But it's also each one of you sitting on the seats who can encourage our kids and do encourage our kids. Often we'll have someone come up to um, Nathan or I and say, hey, we really liked how something. So the other day I had an example of that. Someone said to me, I really liked how Joel came up and spoke to my son. My son doesn't like connecting with people, but he came up and he just had a conversation with him and they valued that a lot. And then I can pass that on to Joel and say, hey, did you know that really meant a lot? So it's little things like that as well that make a difference. It's each time people see you serve and my kids see you share a testimony or use your gifting in some way that makes a big impact on them. So if you're a parent in the room this morning, my encouragement to you is this, is to work hard to connect your kids into church. Work hard to help them to be comfortable here and to want to come. It's a great place to be. And I believe it needs to be a regular thing, a regular basis, a weekly basis, that we value church so highly as parents in coming to worship with God's people that we bring our kids into that environment as well. And as we do that, the Bible says, train a child in the way they should go. And when they're old, they will not depart from it. So we need to connect our kids. The third thing I want to share with you that God has been teaching me, and this has been over a very long time, this is definitely not a short lesson I've been learning, 
and that is that I've spent a long, large part of my life, over 40 years, not feeling good enough. That I have felt inadequate. That I don't measure up to the high values and standards I've often placed on myself, more than other people have placed on me. If you read in Psalm 139, verse 14, it says, I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. This has been something I'm now able to say. So I say it, and I say to God, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And I'm not just saying the words, I actually believe them now. But over the years, Satan has seen that this has been a... A, an area of my life where he likes to poke at. And so as a child, I did not think it was possible to be fearfully and wonderfully made because I was very shy and fearful. How could I possibly be wonderfully made? I also didn't have any standout gifting. As a child, there was nothing that would make me think, oh yeah, I can see it, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. And I didn't look like the blonde-haired, blue-eyed, tanned-skinned people that I felt was portrayed back in the 80s of what a beautiful person looked like in Australia. And so I felt that I didn't have worth or value. I didn't measure up. And that continued into my teenage years and into my 20s because I hadn't changed that much. I was still quite quiet and shy in lots of ways and still looked the same and I still had the same level of gifting. I wasn't a standout in anything in particular and so I struggled. And then when I was about 25 and I had skin cancers and they removed them, the doctor did a really bad job, be careful who you go to, and I ended up with a big scar on the side of my face. And it was almost like at that point in time, it was like Satan said, you will never be fearfully and wonderfully made because you've got scars now. You can't possibly be. But the reality is God does not care if I have scars. He doesn't care if they remove parts of my eyebrow and it looks different. He doesn't care if I'm not the most gifted person or the most talented or blonde-haired, blue-eyed. He doesn't care. I have value because God made me. And we each have value because God made us. When you have a look at what the words fearfully and wonderfully made in the context of these verses from the Hebrew, the word fearfully means to be... Um, means with great reverence, heartfelt interest, and with respect. That's how God made us. He also made us wonderfully, which means unique and set apart. I was looking up um, this while I was preparing to speak this morning, and I found a website that I thought put it very well, and it was a website called Crossway, and it said, In Psalm 139, David's praying to God, and he says, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. This speaks of the care and attention with which God has made us. By now, God has made billions of human beings, but we're not mass-produced. We're not churned out in a mechanistic way. Each one of us is individually handcrafted. So as I said, after going through prayer ministry, after going through a long journey with God on this one, I can now say I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And because of that, I know but I can also say that I am valued and I have value. And that's not just for me, that's for every person in this room. In um, the New International Version, I believe it is, says at the end of this verse, all your works are wonderful and you are part of all those works. So this morning, if you are struggling with this, you 
are fearfully and wonderfully made, and you have value and worth. My next point is around, it kind of follows on from that one, and it's around gifting. That each one of us is made by God with gifting and with qualities and characteristics about us that no one else has, in the same combination exactly, and in the same location and place that we're, we're put by God to do things that he's prepared for us to do. And the way that we discover what that gifting is often is through stepping out in faith. And last year we did a whole season of being faithful and around stepping out and trusting God. And when God gives us opportunities, step into those and trust that he will lead us and guide us on the way. And it's only been as I've learned to step out, and it's always small steps. God doesn't just get me to go do something huge, but small steps at a time to see, actually, I've got gifting I never knew I had and I would not have known I had if I hadn't stepped out. So my encouragement for you this morning is to step out in faith and trust God and he will show you that you have gifting you didn't even know that you had. The next thing that I want to talk about is around um, something that I, I kind of knew, but relearn, I guess, as I was driving Aiden to school. So my eldest son, Aiden, was in year 11 last year, finishing year, going into year 12. Well, he's in year 12 now, officially. Finishes school this year. Crazy. Um, he would go to school early for a maths lesson two days a week. So I would be in the car with him. He would drive on his L's. That was fun. And then we would... Um, I'd drop him off and then I would drive home and I'd put worship music on in the car to have some time to spend with God before my busy day really started. And as I would drive, I'd be driving home from over at Menai direction and I would be coming over Alfred's Point Bridge and the traffic would always get bad around Alfred's Point Bridge, which sounds bad, but I actually really enjoyed it because that's when I could stop and go, oh, look at the trees and the sky was nice because it was pretty early in the morning and I could see the river because the cars had stopped just for a moment. And as I looked around, I started to realise, wow, God is amazing. I knew that already, but would be reminded again of how amazing he was. And that um, this was just a tiny little glimpse of the things that he'd made. This is a tiny glimpse of what God was like. And it reminded me that there is a lot more to God and knowing God than I know already. There is more that he wants to reveal to me and teach me. So my next encouragement is to seek him that we should be seeking God because he wants us to know him. And if you are feeling like it's um, difficult to seek him, then I encourage you to pray and say, God, help me to be more excited to seek you because that's his desire. He wants us to know him. And I hope that I'll continue going into 2024 and my prayer is that I would be like this. It says, you, as in God, have said, seek my face. My heart says to you, your face, Lord, do I seek. And that's what I want to do. I want to seek him, and I'm excited for what he's going to show me in the future. Now, the next area, again, continues kind of on from this one, that as I seek God and I know him more and get to um, understand who he is more, I also expect to see him move more. My faith is built up. And last year's theme was really helpful with a faithful theme and we got to hear stories of how God had been using different people and moving and we've had healings in the church. 
And as a result, my faith has been built up as well. And I can pray and expect God to do more. Instead of praying small, faithless prayers, we can pray bigger prayers and know that God is able to do those things. And the Bible says, Ephesians 3 verse 20, it says, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think. And one version of the Bible says, or imagine. So the things that we could imagine, he can do more than that. He can do things we could never even think about. And I encourage you that as you go into your year, if this is something you want to expect God to do more, be careful who you hang around. That would be my my thoughts. I've tried to be really intentional about making sure I'm listening to people's testimonies of great things God has done in their life. Even if those great things, they might seem small, but they've been great for them because they've brought breakthrough or God's done something big. And I've also been very intentional. I've been reading a book um, called Living a Life of Fire. It's an autobiography of a man named Reinhard Bonnke. And it's over 600 pages of lots and lots and lots of um, stories of his life where God moved and worked and did great things. He was an evangelist over in Africa, if you don't know who Reinhard Bonnke was, and he saw millions of people make decisions to follow Jesus. And in the book, there's story after story of people's lives that have been changed, situations that changed because God was moving. He saw people miraculously healed. He saw doors opened into countries where before that people had been kept out. He saw leaders of countries want to see him and speak to him and he could share Jesus with them and then their lives were transformed and then they went on to lead their country in a way that was honouring to God and actually took genuine care for the people. Last night I was actually reading, I'm getting towards the end of the book, my plan is to finish it by the end of the school holidays, which is kind of good, and then I'm going to be a bit sad that my book will be ended. But last night it was around, they were in Nigeria, and they'd been kept out of Nigeria for over seven years, they couldn't get in. They'd gone there once, and there was a huge amount of violence and things against them, and they were blocked out. And how they went back to Nigeria in sort of early 2000s, late 1999, around there, and they, um, in this particular testimony he shared, they had 1,600,000 people come to hear the story of Jesus. They came to hear about Jesus, they came to be prayed for, and this is a highly um, Muslim population of people, and they had gone, and they would also always get people to register. If they decided to follow Jesus, then they could follow up with people to make sure they're okay. And they had 1,093,000 people make a decision to follow Jesus in one meeting. My faith is so small compared to what God is actually able to do, but I'm learning to expect more. And encourage you to ask God to help you to expect more also. And the final area that I want to share with you this morning um, is what God's been revealing to me more and more in my time as a Christian around the area of worship. And um, there was... Lots of things that I've learned over the years, but there was one event in my life that has stood out as being something that sort of taught me a lot, even though you'll see what I mean when I share the story. I went to a women's conference quite a few years ago. I was trying to figure it out before. I'm like, definitely over 10. I think, I don't remember Alicia being born then. And I went with a friend from church and we went to this conference and the first session started and they started with worship music. And they had um, the band on stage, which sounded good. And then they had three female singers. So one in the middle, two on the sides. And the one in the middle had like a joyful face. 
She was happy, she was singing, she was joyful, and she was leading us, and she seemed just like a beautiful person worshipping. Then we had the two girls on the outside, and they sang with no expression whatsoever. Nothing. No enthusiasm, no excitement. They were singing about what Jesus had done, and there was nothing in how they looked to convey that they actually meant what they said. And while I know that God looks at the heart, and their hearts might have been perfectly beautiful, I was really bothered that at one point I ended up in the bathroom with the same two girls, and the girls were happy. They were laughing. They were talking. They had lots of expression. It was the complete opposite to what I had seen as I worshipped God on stage. And it really bothered me. It really made me really sad, um, actually. And I went home from that conference that day, and I just felt sadness. I felt that they were missing out on worshipping God with the freedom and the joy that we can have. And I also felt that God was missing out on the worship he deserved. He deserves the best worship and that he was missing out as a result. And I went home that day and I went into a room of the house by myself. I closed the door, I put on worship music and I sang and I cried for about an hour because of how much this event impacted me. And as I said, I don't know, their hearts might have been perfect and God was happy with their worship. I don't know, but for me, I couldn't tell by anything that I saw in them that Jesus changed their life or that Jesus mattered to them or that they were joyful and thankful about what God had done. And that, um, yeah, just made me really sad. And if we look at Psalm 95, 1 to 7, it tells us what worship looks like, what it should look like. It says, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let us come to him with thanksgiving. Let us sing psalms of praise to him. For the Lord is a great God, a great king above all gods. He holds in his hands the depths of the earth and the mightiest mountains. The sea belongs to him, for he made it. His hands form the dry land too. Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he is our God. We are the people he watches over, the flock under his care. I think when we understand the reality that we are nothing compared to God and that he has provided a way through Jesus dying on the cross, that God himself came and died on the cross for us in our place, thankfulness should just flow. Joyfulness should just flow. And while there are times when we won't feel joyful when we worship, we still worship anyway. And I think in those times when it's hard to worship God, where it's hard to feel joyful, that they are some of the most important times to worship him. I know that that's been um, the case for me. There's been times when I've had heaviness or sadness and I've worshipped God anyway and seen him bring peace and joy when it wasn't there before because I have worshipped him. As a child, we would sing a song at my church growing up and it was put on a garment of praise for a spirit of heaviness. And the whole point of that is that when we worship God, we put on praise instead. God gives us that instead of the heaviness and despair that we um, often feel. So what have I learned through that, um, through that season, through life, is to worship God joyfully. We should have joy and again, I encourage you, if you don't feel joyful when you worship God, to say, hey, God, I want to be able to worship you joyfully. Help me to understand what you've done 
for me so I can worship you joyfully. So let's have a look back at the seven things very quickly that I have learnt. And I want you to have a think. Is there anything here that stands out for you as something that maybe God's been working on in your life or that he's been challenging you on as I've been speaking um, as a takeaway, something to take and um, ask for prayer for at the end or take and pray about as you go? So they were that I don't have all the answers, but I know the one who does, and that is then to trust God in that. That it takes a village to raise a child, so connecting, the, connecting kids on a regular basis. That I am fearfully and wonderfully made, and that is that I'm valued. Then that we're all given gifts by God. He's made us with gifts, so step out into those. There's much more to know about God, so seek him. And God is able to do great things, so expect more as you pray. Pray for prayers of greater faith. And that God deserves our heartfelt, joyful, and thankful worship, so worship him thankfully. Now today there might be people sitting here who've never made a decision to follow Jesus and you've been trying to learn your lessons through the world and through life and that's not working for you. You can see that it's not helping you the best way you can. You don't feel joy. You don't feel um, free. God wants you to know he can teach you. He is willing to do that. He can give you the joy that you are missing. So this morning as we finish, I'm just going to ask everyone to close their eyes. I don't want to give anyone who doesn't know Jesus the opportunity to know him. And also for those people who in the past, if you realise that today your heart is not seeking after God as your first importance, or you've stopped allowing him to teach you and lead you and guide you, and you want him to have that place again, I encourage you to pray a prayer with me this morning. So as we pray, I'm going to get everyone to pray this together. Whether you want to... um, if you're praying it for the first time, you're praying it as someone who wants to come back to God, or if you've made this decision as a way of supporting other people around you as they pray this prayer, I encourage you to all close your eyes and we'll pray. Lord God, I recognise my need for you. Just pray it out loud so that you're encouraging the other people. I'm sorry for living my life my way and for living my life without you. Please forgive me. Today I choose to follow Jesus and ask that you would give me a fresh start and a hope for my future. I want to be a Christian, a follower of Jesus, every day for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that, prayed that prayer today, either the first time or as a way of saying, hey, sorry, God, I've, I've gotten my priorities mixed up. I encourage you to tell someone that you've come with who you know is a Christian or you can head to our start here desk at the outside on the foyer, not the foyer, on the deck at the end or come forward for prayer and I'm going to invite the prayer team forward and we're going to um, worship again this morning and as we do that I encourage you to worship him joyfully and to yeah, come forward for prayer if there's any, anything you would like prayer for this morning.
Thanks so much for checking out this message. LifeGate Church has people meeting in person and online in many different locations, and we'd love to help you get connected. My name's Andrew, and I lead our online team here at LifeGate Church, and it's our job to do exactly that. We'd love to help you find community, get support and prayer, and take your next step. So why don't you connect with us and take your next step at lifegate.org.au and click the Next Step button.